Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? It is I. Thank you so much for joining us. Blaine, right off of your plane. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm fortunate that there's a, there's a ferry delay now, so <laughs> that lets me <laughs> kind of oh, nice. the ferry lot here. That's the new one. This is our first ferry that we've uh, uh, simulcast from. But uh, I brought in the incredible Michael Unbroken to join us uh, to make sure that we had enough firepower to handle our guest who's coming in here, the amazing author, Brad Polis. Welcome to Office Hours. Thanks very much. Great being here. It is great to have you. And uh, you're in the right place because all three of us are small business, are small businesses, but also we help many small businesses as well. And I wish I could find an operator's manual when it comes to <laughs> helping people. And when I saw someone actually has created one, I thought, wow, this is someone we need to talk to. Uh, what are the components of a small business operator's manual? Yeah, well, um, I'm a part-time professor and I've been teaching entrepreneurship and a little bit of a specialty in small business for about the last seven, eight years. And I looked at all the books that were out there and, and you know, every book that, that at least touched on small business issues also had a lot of content around startup and things that aren't really of interest to the, uh, the going concern business, right? And so I wrote this book for uh, what I call the fully operational performing small business. So what this is, is it's not a startup. It's, um, it's not a unicorn. It's not going to go public, right? It's it's one of these many, you know, the, the eighty percent or ninety percent of businesses that are in the middle of those of those two things, and uh, so you know, it's very much aimed at the owner operator with a with a, I hope, a fairly practical, you know, approach to to the whole thing. <laughs> I love it, Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, just I mean, I'm just. Catching up here real quick. I literally yeah. just pulled in. So apologies here. Um, Are we going, Michael? Yeah, Michael, let, you let's go, get. Blaine? Yeah, of course. Let's get Blaine settled. Well, one of the things, Brad. You know, as David pointed to, and as being small business owners, entrepreneurs, as uh, I do believe that there's a, a huge space in which the conversation for the for lack of a better way to phrase it, the average entrepreneur who's running businesses, the mom and pop shop, the family offices, um, they don't necessarily have all the support that they need because so much of it is like, be the next SaaS company, be the next Amazon, be the, and it's like, well, what about the guys like us who we just want to take care of our family, our friends, our community? When you wrote this, what was the, the biggest thing that you are trying to aim for this segment of entrepreneurs and business owners to take away? Uh I, I guess probably so what I did is I, I I mixed some theory hey I am a part-time prof after all right so I mixed some theory probably stuff though that you know most well-read business people are at least somewhat familiar with um, with then some stories anecdotes um, usually changing the names not always but usually changing the names to protect the often guilty uh, and, you know, the idea that the, the stories, let's face it, storytelling is so important nowadays and and uh, that's how you drive points home. So so I, I think that's probably what resonates the most with the, the people that I've spoken to after they've had a chance to to read the book. So, yeah, I am caught up to speed here a little bit now. Yeah. So, uh, Brad, just, you know, briefly, yeah, you're talking about stories. 
And one of the ways that I define success, and I think that I, I love, you know, the focus area here, uh, but it, it's, it's organized out of something that Earl Nightingale said years ago, that success is the uh, continual pursuit of a worthy ideal. And the uh, devil's in the details there. So do you have a story that you can pull from that book that illustrates that worthy pursuit of a uh, that pursuit of a worthy ideal within the framework of what your book is actually you know, speaking to. Sure, let me let me try. But before I do that, it's so interesting because the truth is that you know I've had several definitions of success that I've adopted through the years. You know, and one is just waking up every day and being able to do that which you'd love to do. You know, but but yours is interesting because one of the ones I heard and I've you know I've used it a fair bit with younger people. Um, which is the, you know, the definition of failure, which is often, you know, the, the opposite of success is waking up, figuring out you're doing the wrong stuff and you just keep going. <laughs> right. So that's, I think that's really, really important too. You know, I mean, in these, these days of lean startup and, and pivoting and all that, you know, there's nothing wrong with a pivot. A pivot, it just means that you're wiser today than you were yesterday. And I, I've always reserved the right, you know, to, to be such. So, uh, you know, so anyway, I just, I found your, your definition quite interesting as far as the worthy pursuit of a word or sorry, the, uh, what was it? The, continue the, the, the pursuit of a worthy ideal of a worthy yeah. goal. Well, you know, when I was 35, I was doing my MBA and uh, I sat down with our organizational uh, behavior prof and uh, he asked me, what's your overarching goal? Like the biggie, right? I know you got lots, but what's the biggie? And I said, well, by the time I'm 45, I'd like to be the president and CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And he looked at me and he said, and I swear, do you think you should set a more realistic goal? And I thought, oh, well, there's a little bit of motivation. And so for the next 10 years, you know, I, I, I left uh, my corporate job, started building a company, ultimately sold it five days before my 45th birthday so five days before the deadline i sold it to a not fortune 500 but a publicly traded company and i did become the president and the ceo and i went you know check like good enough and i think that's a that's a really good um example of why systems matter more than goals because by some people's definition i failed to meet my goal but boy i got close and Close is all, all, almost always better than not close. So, you, you know, Brad, a, a lot of young, especially entrepreneurs and small business owners, uh, it's where they're putting their emotional address, uh, whether it's in other people's opinion, uh, into uh, goals that limit their own self-image, uh, or into the emotional address of an outcome, specific outcomes, without having open-minded uh, uh, perspective that you did that, look, I'm doing my best learning lessons and having fun. And although I may not have uh, emotionally attached my address specifically to a Fortune 500, you know, a Fortune 800 uh, is a pretty significant progress. And I'm still on that journey as well. How can we help small business owners attach their emotional addresses to things that helped them, like it has helped you achieve their potential without either A, limiting their beliefs about themselves or their image, or creating resistance uh, by attaching their emotional address to what other people think 
or uh, specific time frames or specific uh, numbers. Uh, and I see those both as detriments to small business. Owners. Sure. My my stock answer, a lot of people aren't going to like it, but uh, I'm a Buddhist. So, you know, um, take up Buddhism because we believe in non-attachment. and We don't get too attached to anything. Uh, but let's face it, that's not that practical for for most people, you know, changing their religion or their philosophy. However, I, you know, I think that there are some great things that you can adopt from lots of these religions and philosophies. And that's one I would actually really, really suggest that people take a look at, which is the idea of, of how suffering comes from attaching yourself to things, to ideas. And, and let's face it, you know, that CEO job, it doesn't last forever. At some point you lose it. You either lose it mentally or you lose the job, but, but, um, you know, so, so, uh, I, honestly, I don't have a great answer beyond that one. That's a good answer. And uh, I'm a ferocious Buddhist, so I'm oh, aligned with uh, that philosophy. I'm ferocious today in a trajectory of a non-attached outcome. Uh, but uh, Michael, I'm broken. What do you got to add to our amazing conversation so far? Yeah, I think I think tools and optimization are the, the things that I wish I would have learned younger as a business person. And, and you hear often about this idea of like repeat actions that work. And I think so many times we go out and we have a win and we totally change everything that we're doing. What do you think, like looking at this obviously being something that's practical in a functional book, like what are some of the the day-to-day -day in and outs of not only practicality of but repeatable actions that you have seen the people who have been able to have successful entrepreneur endeavors what are the things that they've been able to do repeatedly that other people can learn from the the ones that jump off the page at me have have to do primarily with money cash uh so for example having a really really good um like a well-designed and then a properly executed credit management policy simple stuff uh but a lot of people a lot of clients that you know i've taken out over the years didn't know how to do it properly and so it's a great way to squeeze extra dollars out of the balance sheet sometimes if if collections have been somewhat lackadaisical and then there's the other option as well sometimes relaxing credit can actually help your business if you can do it you know smartly um mm -hmm. The, you know, the other thing is that I, I've known businesses that have just thrown off all kinds of cash and leave it sitting in the bank. That's not um, that's certainly not, you know, the most efficient use of that resource for for the owner. So, you know, finding ways to either put it to work or just get it back in the hands of, of the owners. There's a couple of examples. And uh, other one, um, other ones I can think of are those that are just really diligent about their online marketing activities and not so much content marketing because most a handful of my clients are, are heavy into that but most of them are not but um just you know um keeping abreast of your google and facebook ads and all of that sort of stuff it's the kind of thing that often gets started and then left and um and it's one of those things that i think it, it, consistency matters so mm-hmm you, you know, Brad, you're mentioning something here that you know, triggers a thought for me, uh, and it has to do with uh, overcapitalizing, you know, getting, I mean, particularly if you're going to investors to actually you know, create some funding sources. If you've got too much money, the, the risk, in my experience, has been a lack of discipline 
in execution. Yeah, you know, and and that lack of discipline can be, I think, problematic. Actually, yeah, kind of keeping the budget tight. Well, I'm sorry you broke up a little bit there, Blaine. I'm not sure I actually yeah, caught. I think he was asking about. I think it was about being disciplined in the utilization of capital and keeping that budget tight. Uh, is uh, that? one of the aspects of the operation uh, or operator's manual for small businesses. For, for sure. So every business has to have the, you know, at least the basic budget. So, you know, your basic kind of income statement budgeted out um, probably by month, but in some, in some businesses like restaurants by week, uh, for, for at least the next year and then a cash flow budget against that. And that's the part that you've got to watch carefully no one's going to get too upset in a small business if your profits are off uh if your sales are off but when your cash is off it's a problem right so that's the one that i suggest that people um until you're really comfortable with your resources and doing it literally looking at it at daily or every couple of days that's um that's probably the the you know the, the biggest one that's beautiful well yeah. Thank you. Brad, everybody needs an operator's manual and I uh, can't think of a bigger group or a more important group to this country than small businesses. And we appreciate uh, all of the information that's given to us in that operator's manual, the lectures that you've given, the mentorship, coaching and teaching in Toronto specifically. If you are interested in more guidance, bradpolis.com is the place to go. Brad, please come back and join us soon. We appreciate you. That would be great. Thanks, David. Nice Thank to meet you. you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. All right. Hey. Very good. <laughs> You're doing all right, Blaine. Now you hey, know my you just, ro just, just rolled onto the ferry. Yeah. Oh, oh you're <laughs> on the ferry now. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally just rolled on. I love it, man. Well, you, you are, uh, there's always one of us somewhere. And uh, I certainly appreciate the effort uh, that you've oh. given. And we, we appreciate you. So where, where did you fly in from, by the way? Uh, I was in Montana. I was doing some work with, uh, and you and I well, talked about that. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've got a big merger going on out there. Oh, my God. Could not be a better time of year in Montana. I just have to tell you, uh, I, I miss it immensely. But keep up the great work. Let's bring on our next extraordinary guest from trains, planes, and ferries now, usually automobiles. <laughs> Uh, we have uh, the incredible Noel Liu joining us, the co-founder of Secure Dental. He's a real estate investor and he mentors associate dentists as well. And he has a brand new website uh, or his website that we'll check out. Welcome to Office Hours. Oh, muted, Noel. I will tell you, you know what's interesting? That we've had many dentists on here and I think every, uh, what, what do they say? Uh, uh, four out of five dentists on office hours don't take off the mute button. That's right. We, we're dude, very disciplined. Thanks, Dave, dude. for having me here. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like the dentine, you're like the dentine of office hours. Four out of five dentists <laughs> forget to put off the mute right. button. Right. All right. Well, I, I'm now checking the ages of people. Anybody laughing must be over 40. So no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Blaine, did you Absolutely. hear that? <laughs> I said four out of five dentists forget uh -huh. to take the mute button off. So we, we're just getting started. Um, you have grown quite a business. We just came off the operator's manual of small businesses. You and your wife uh, right. are founders in Secure Dental. 
It's been about 11 years and now you have over 11 locations. Give us a little bit of a background on, you know, the idea behind, uh, you know, secure dental. And I know there's a spin in real estate as well. Absolutely, Dave. First of all, thanks for having me. Sorry for the mic. Um, no, it's you know, good. We are, very, we are very disciplined, you know, individuals. So we always have the mic off the whole time. So, uh, hey, Secure Dental. I mean, we founded this company back in 2012. I graduated from New York University College of Dentistry. And uh, since then, been working as an associate. In a long story short, the journey has not been easy. It's been a turmoil. It was a lot of emotional roller coasters uh, up and down. And many times we feel like as dentists, we just focus strictly on patients and teeth. But man, that is not the case. It's, it's, a, it's a full blown business. And that is only after when we found out after we are at third location. Um, my biggest challenge with the whole thing was leadership and people and uh, getting the processes. So the people, patients, and processes. So those were the three things that was always a challenge. But people, it's like, how do you elevate our mindset and our belief lids to be high up there so that people can follow? Because, you know, when we started off, I was quite immature at that time, learning, not even looking at P&Ls, not looking at numbers. I mean, we were like strictly focused just on teeth. And little do we know that, you know, we hit the roadblock very soon. So that was that was a challenge. That was a road uh, thing going on. And now moving forward, when I'm thinking about the future, what's going to happen is now we just want to scale and expand. Um, so our next plan and next phase is opening up dental surgical centers with implants and uh, kind of collaborating with MDs and seeing where these guys are at and trying to form a collaboration with them. So now that I've gone through the rough waters, so we kind of got a little bit, you know, a, a little bit idea, but I think it's still a lot to learn. And, and I know there'll be more challenges, you know, in the, in the, in the coming future. Yeah. I find dentists and doctors learn very well to work in their business. And it's very rare that they work on their business. And you seem to make that expansion uh, quite well. Uh, which one of you handsome gentlemen want to go next? Lane? Yeah. I, I mean, I've spent a, a number of years. Uh, almost uh, more than a decade now working with uh, physicians uh, in the leadership conversation. Um, and you know, one of the things that, um, in, to put David's point here about working on the business and your point about, you know, the people, you know, how do we get the people engaged, that mindset piece? The question that I've got there, and, and it's and, and you're now on the, you know, you've kind of gone over a, a success hump. You've actually kind of you know, dotted a couple of I's and crossed a couple of T's here. The idea of getting people personally engaged in what you're doing, you've got a you've got a vision and a dream for the organization, but what has been the way that you've actually invited people to participate with Great. you in that process? Such a great, great question. And I think a lot of dentists, uh, they missed the mark. My success has been in this, uh, in this area. It's you have to align my, I have to align my goal with their goal. Mm -hmm. So for me to make them understand what our vision is, I need to find out what ticks for them. Uh, what's their personal goal? What's their professional goal? And what's their financial goal? Yeah. So once I understand that portion, it kind of helps me gauge where my team is at and what's working for them. And then I'll align myself, my goal, my vision, right, to what these guys want. And now everybody's on board. 
So I love that, man. And there's so much about that that's important. You know, that that alignment leads down the path where, in my mind, I can't help but think that you've been able to figure out how to scale this in a way that is exponential. Because here's the thing I think is very interesting about people in medical fields who step into small family businesses. Generally, you have one location, right? And you hit so many breaknecks and breakpoints in the financial models that it's almost impossible to keep yourself afloat. Scaling to now 11 locations, tell me, is obviously you've learned a lot. And I think it's really easy to point towards the, the mistakes that we make in that growth trajectory. But I'm curious, if you were to leverage just one thing that is cause success what would that be you know it's understanding understanding the uh, the revenue breakpoints that's what i feel mm-hmm. it's understanding where are we right now where are we trying to go uh understanding what's needed for the next level so it's it's processes then we know it's the who who do we need to engage with who we need to collaborate with who's on a team and you know it's it's just just knowing and preparing for it, because if you're not prepared, I feel like I can be back to square one yeah. and, and just be down, like back to the ground because our business is mainly, you know, run by associate doctors. So if we are not prepared, we are not like constantly making these guys aware and, and even partnering with them. It's, we're not going to go very far. Right. And, you know, beyond, uh, as you scale, finding, uh, better systems, uh, mm-hmm. re- moving redundant operations and systems, uh, but the technology that exists today that allows us to streamline uh, those systems and create exponentiality of margins uh, are extraordinary. But in this area, it reminds me of Ray Kroc, who's one of my favorite entrepreneurs. (laughs) Wasn't a doctor, wasn't a doctor, but what he really understood was it was one thing to scale McDonald's, but it was a another thing to make real money and some people when they're scaling practices and doctors are terrific at this of getting so busy that they forget to make money well there's a natural uh collaborative revenue stream that's connected to building out practices and that's real estate and you and your wife have done an extraordinary job of expanding the revenue streams beyond uh, streamlining systems, you're streamlining a secondary revenue source by investing in real estate alongside of those practices. Uh, how and where have you decided uh, to utilize investing in real estate within the context of your daily practices? So with real estate, basically, we are right now part of both being both limited partners as well as co-general partners in some of the syndications that I've been involved in. Um, I'm kind of the best of both worlds in a sense that I'm not really hands-on with real estate, but at the same time, I'm sort of hands-on and uh, knowing the back end and knowing the sponsors who's running the show. So my niche has been in industrial, in multifamily and in uh, storage spaces. That's where, that's where I'm, I'm kind of heavily involved in, in terms of real estate and trying to do like those bigger deals with, uh, with guys who, who have record. Uh, if you ask me to do it by myself, no, that's not possible. So I think it's a teamwork and, and I'm leveraging those guys to help me invest in, in those areas because eventually, uh, Dave, I mean, there is going to be an exit down the road with this current company that we are in. Absolutely. I have one of the best industrial guys I got to introduce you to Noel. So, uh, remind me after the show, my team will reach out and introduce you to Chase McLeod. Uh, 
Okay. He, I syndicate my industrial deals uh, with him. He's extremely, uh, extremely good. So anyway, I, I always like to do a little Love networking it. on office hours as well. <laughs> Blaine, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, real quick question. You've been pretty innovative in the way that you've actually expanded and scaled. Um, you know, you're now 11 uh, uh, sites and facilities here. And it's been my experience that innovation doesn't doesn't does not appear when we're exploration. Oh, we lost it. Neither does the. Well, that's weird. Mike, you take over, or you want me to ask the yeah. question? No, I'll take over. What what I was I think I might know where Blaine was going with this because there there has to be something involved in this with structures and frameworks and modeling. When when you start to scale and you you build out this many locations, what does the framework look like, and how are you setting your team up for success? Especially when you have all these associates coming in, running the business, following the model, doing the frameworks. Like, what is it that you're looking for from them, and what are you giving them to have success? So right now, uh, Michael, it's a very very like kind of transitory kind of phase we're in. And we are slowly switching from an associate, like an employee-only model with our doctors to getting them to potential partners because it's come to a point where unlike McDonald's, unlike like any kind of any kind of like non-required like professional skill, we can't just go out there and hire somebody and run the dental place. So these guys, they will need to have some skin in the game. And for me to start putting that vision in them is what are they going to be achieving if they have their own practice versus if they're with us? So that is one thing that's important. And as far as scaling the practices, it's just knowing your demographics, knowing your market, knowing who our patient base is, because you know our practices, we cannot be everything for everyone. So we just have to focus on like one niche and just go from there. It's funny when Blaine tries to unmute himself, he sounds like the emergency uh, system on TV. Yeah. yeah, the emergency broadcast system. I don't know what's going on with the thing. That's amazing. Um, it is... You talked about exit, um, and you know I try to coach people in your position of building a business that you'll run forever. That always brings the most options, opportunities, and touches a favor. Especially the best way to exit is not uh, plan on an exit, but prepare uh, for opportunities, including exits, by providing more shareholder value. Uh, and I've found that the businesses that are most successful, those are the ones who get the most offers to exit. And uh, mm -hmm. as long as we are trying to uh, make sure that we're increasing shareholder value, uh, that is the case. Um, for you, uh, your emotional attachment to the business, you have been educated. It's not an easy road. You talked about not just in the associate dentistry, but to become a dentist uh, is a long, expensive journey, especially if you go to NYU. Um, and what is your emotional attachment uh, to the practice, as you talk about, you know, taking advantage of shareholder value, obviously you're in a position of roll-ups, you're in the position of option and opportunity. Uh, do you fear at all uh, that your emotional attachment, if the day should come, that you're just a real estate investor? You know, Dave, I'll be, I'll be lying if I said no, right? It's, it's, it's true. It's like the business is like a, like a child. Uh, you know, we start from scratch and, and, you know, we raise the baby up and, you know, hopefully they mature into something really, really, you know, hopefully opportunistic in terms of, you know, the exit. But uh, 
I feel like the right move would be to, yes, it that exit will have to come, that opportunity will have to, you know, we have to take care of that opportunity. Uh, emotionally attached, that would be a totally separate conversation. Uh, and and I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, well, we'll we'll see. What, one last question, then I know Blaine still has the emergency broadcast system going. So sorry, Michael. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, I, I have my last question, just out of curiosity. Do you, yeah. do do dentists purposely purposefully ask questions when their uh, patients can't answer? Like they're in the middle of you know, like <laughs> pulls down my mouth, and they're like, "So tell me, Dave, how's your speaking career going?" And it's like, dude, how am I supposed to answer that? You got three tools down my throat. You know, you're scraping the plaque off of my tongue. Uh, do you guys purposely do that? One, I know that your dentist is doing that to you. <laughs> uh, second, it's the best time to just have a one-way conversation. <laughs> yeah. my, my, I think my wife wishes she was a dentist when we were having a conversation uh, so we could talk about exactly what she would like to talk about. It, it could be a good marriage tool. Maybe marriage counseling is in your future after your exit. Never uh, know. Noel, I will introduce you to Chase McLeod. We will have you on other shows. You uh, specifically, I'm doing a training tomorrow on expansion, not transition, utilizing the skills, the knowledge, and the desire uh, through your career to expand into other areas, not necessarily a stop and a start or a transition, but an expansion, uh, yeah. and you definitely illustrate that so well uh, with well-trained professional, like a dentist uh, that you are. Congratulations to you and your wife. We'll look forward to having you back on, and I'm sure the boys want you on their shows as well because you yeah. are definitely right up the entrepreneurial alley that we're trying to teach. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Michael. Blaine. Very good. Thank you, Noel. All right. Very good. Thank you. Congrats. All right. Woo. You know, it's so much fun to have Blaine on the ferry because, you know, I think the last three times I've been mobile somewhere and he's carried me. And so it's good. We have Michael Unbroken, the Steady Eddie in studio with the high quality equipment, intelligence. <laughs> he's calm. You know, That's right. it, there's something about you, Michael, that just brings this uh, great group together. It's like a band, you know, and you, you, you got the, the like, remember the Muppet Band? You know, one of us is animal, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And then you got Kermit <laughs> and Miss Biggie. And uh, you're definitely holding the fort there, buddy. Anyway, uh, I, I want to have a quick conversation. I know you're traveling, Blaine, but I just want to, we have a little extra time before we do takeaway. I, I would like to have a conversation to help me with my training tomorrow uh, yeah. with this idea that too many people think they have to pivot, transition, yeah. start and yeah. stop, failure and success. And I have a very abundant philosophy of expansion. And I've expanded from selling legal research in online to being CEO of Samsung, to expand into sports agentry, to marketing, to media. And, uh, you know, I keep expanding into areas I never imagined when I went to law school that I'd be participating in. I was hoping that you would share some of your best ideas that I can uh, regurgitate tomorrow in my training. Uh, I may or may not give you credit for it because I may not remember what you said, uh, but nonetheless, it's recorded. So you guys can prove that you gave me that idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be jumping off the ferry here in just a minute. So I'll just go quick. And uh, then yeah. if I disappear, you'll know why. Um, the, the last comment that I made to Noel, and I don't know that it got you know, registered or not, but the idea of um, 
innovation doesn't occur and actually expansion doesn't occur if I'm playing with the known. Just being curious enough to explore the unknown. What's yeah, what's under that cover? What's behind that that curtain? What's behind that corner? Um, that 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 curiosity. Uh, it starts with where I'm at, but it doesn't end at that border. And being able to, um, and it's not about pivoting. It's not about anything about you know. If I had a green field in front of me, what would I want to produce out here? And I, and I mentioned that because who I am today is different than I was five years ago. So some of my interests have changed. And we find ourselves, I think, too often wedded to what has been, and we look at what's next as an iteration of what, you know, what was. So just pretending that there's just a green field. Uh, and, and this is part of the entrepreneurial uh, uh, piece here is what, what's missing that I could actually address? You know, something I, I look around and I notice. I don't judge. It's not good, bad, right, or wrong. I just notice. It's kind of like, huh, that doesn't seem to be working over there. That piece doesn't seem to be working. Or that piece seems to be working, and how could I use it with what I'm doing today? And it may be completely unrelated to what I'm doing today. But I think the, one of the, as I'm talking out loud here, I think one of the most effective mindset shifts that I could work with is move away from judgment, right, wrong, good, bad. And move away, and move into evaluation. Is it working or not working? And that allows me to connect dots that I didn't know existed. I love it. I've heard of blue ocean strategy. I now have the green field strategy by Blaine Bartlett. Beautiful. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump off, guys, so I don't pollute the All rest right. of this show here. All right, My drive safely. Thank you, you for going out of your way. Thank you for going out of your way for us, Blaine Bartlett. BlaineBartlett.com. One of the greatest coaches, business coaches, especially in the world, mindset, heart set, and handset. He will teach you to keep control of where you're driving. Thanks so much. Have fun. <laughs> Got it. Thank you, my yeah. friend. We'll talk later. Bye. All See right. you, Blaine. That's the first fairy uh, uh, di- uh, that we uh, uh, presence that we've had. That's cool. On a ferry, we now got definitely planes, trains, automobiles, ferries, and uh, closets and studios. So. <laughs> We're getting a whole bunch of places to go. Give me some of your genius on uh, transition expansion differentials. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to add bicycle in the future. I'm just foreshadowing okay. right now, dude. Um, cool. And I'll <laughs> go know, on I, skateboard. I, one, I'll one-up you with a skateboard. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Wear a helmet. Uh, look, I, I think that the hardest part, and Blaine kind of like pointed to it, is just the willingness to see what happens. Um, you know, it's funny because when I – I'll just context when I started my speaking career eight years ago, like literally two people came to the first event and, and now I've spoken on stages in front of 10,000. We do this weekly, who knows the exponential impact of this. And it's just like, you have to be willing to just step into the unknown and allow whatever that Buddhism mentality. I love that. That's been a concept today because it just is. You know, and I try to look at this whenever I'm doing anything in business is just take the risk. And look, sometimes it doesn't work, man. I've made huge mistakes. I've made mistakes within the last six months. I've had huge wins in the last six months. And I I think so much of it is just about trusting that you can go in the direction that you see in front of you and and try not to to beat yourself up in the process, because I think that's really hard right now, especially 
you look at social media, everybody's winning all the time. Uh, one thing that you do really well is you you always call attention to whose private jet you're borrowing. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I respect that because I, there's so many people posturing and lying. And then we add these extra layers of expectations onto ourselves. And it's like, realistically, everyone is just figuring this out one day at a time. And I don't think that there's any true understanding of what you do until you look at it retrospectively. And in order to do that, you have to first take the first step. And most people wait 25 years to do something that takes five minutes. Yeah, you're amazing. And, you know, to that expansion is showing up into expansive areas, uh, those areas unknown. And it's something that you do really well. Uh, and I'm hoping to see you more in the expansive areas. we got so much travel coming up. I miss my Batman uh, around me, uh, always showing up with uh, his tool belt. And so we'll be in, just to remind you and others, we'll be in Orange County Monday, Tuesday, VIP dinners, we'll be filming. And of course, Michael Unbroken is uh, a VIP guest, always invited. And then we'll be in New York on Thursday uh, as well and doing a meetup at Times Square on Friday, once again, and then uh, St. Louis and uh, da, 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 somewhere else. Uh, I'm sure I, I'm forgetting. Oh, Santa Barbara with Joe Dispenza. Uh, definitely a, a place that we all want to be. So uh, if you're out there and you want to join Michael and I, or Michael, you just want to join me, you just reach out because I miss your brother and I want to see you soon. And it's really hot in Vegas. I'm worried about you. Come <laughs> to the cool air. Orange County 72 and sunny today. And uh, it's a happy place to see you. Uh, thanks for joining me. Let's real quick. Uh, we went over transition and expansion. I'll be doing training tomorrow on that at 6 a.m. Pacific. But most importantly, takeaways. Uh, was there some takeaway, a lesson that you uh, learned today that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, uh, just being in alignment with your team's goals. Um, you, you heard uh, Noel say that, and it's something that I think is incredibly important, whether you have five team members or 50. And, and that's something that for me has really helped in creating company culture, not only in Think Unbroken, but in my other endeavors over the years is just like, what's your goal? What's your mission? How do we get in alignment with that? Because I think so often it's really easy to get focused on our goals as the owner and the proprietor and forget that it's really our team that is the people that help us go to the next level. For sure. My takeaway was from Brad. And it hit me, you know, being a professor that he is, an author, a lecturer, a coach, very similar to the things that you do as well, and uh, so many do. But it was interesting because he really hit it home when he said, look, I have a small business operating manual, but small businesses aren't startups that are going to be unicorns and go public and have, you know, these unbelievable, you know, sexy, fun, Gary V-like imagery. Small businesses are dentist's office. Small businesses are lawyers and they're plumbers and they're window companies and, you know, they're, they're the Italian, you know, restaurant that you go to, uh, hopefully by your house. And that's 80% of them. And yet, uh, once again, just like standing in front of planes I don't own and telling people I don't own them instead of pretending like I do, I think it's important for people to realize the majority of small business owners uh, aren't living the sexy entrepreneur, flying private jets, unicorn, raising hundreds of millions of dollars. They're just grinding and providing opportunities for 10 to 50 people 
in their community and providing great value to their local community. And there's more of those types of businesses than the others. And I think it's time that we pay attention and empower those small business owners because they are the backbone of our country and always have been. And uh, it takes the chiropractors of the backbone. They don't call him Michael Unbroken for nothing at Michael Unbroken. He's aligning those backbones of the small business owners here in America and around the world. Michael, thank you always for filling in. Your day's Wednesday with me and Crazy Mike, but you fill in probably once a week somewhere else for me. Don't forget to get my schedule. Uh, we got Batman and Robin. We need to fly again. Peanut butter and jelly. Whatever you want to call us. I uh, miss having you uh, backstage with me. So come and join me. I will be there, my friend. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. I see you. See you guys. I see you. I see you. <laughs> Avatar's finest. I see you. All right. I see you too. Reach out if you want to join us, David at dmelter.com. We got so much going on that I need people to join my text community so we can alert you whether we're going to be in Orange County, New York, St. Louis. I, I got a killer week in October, Michael. I forgot to tell you about that one. I just found out I, I'm going to be so excited. I'll be announcing uh, I'm going to be speaking with one of the biggest names in the world. And I just found out about that. Uh, and I'm really, really excited. Uh, but go ahead. Join my text community, 949 949- 298-2905 meetups next week in Orange County, VIP dinners, and New York City next week. Come and join us, Santa Barbara and St. Louis, the next week after that. We cannot wait to see you. I see you. That means I love you. Be more interested than interesting. Reach out to me, David, at dmelzer.com. But most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.